Welcome to In the Thick of It, Proven Losses Weekly Podcast with me, Colin Lambert. Um, there's no, that was the week there was this week because it's been a pretty quiet week. So what we're going to do is get straight to our guest. So I'm joined by uh, Martin Plouve, CEO of the Thick Market Standards Board. Uh, Martin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Colin. It's great to be here. Um, so you joined uh, FMSB last year from LCH, so it's probably a good opportunity for us a mutual friend of ours um, out there, Gavin Wells, to send him our best as he recovers from uh, from a bout of COVID. Um, so yeah, that's true. It's just great to see Gavin uh, getting his strength back, and uh, I know a lot of a lot of your listeners all know Gavin well, so uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's great to wish him wish him well in that recovery. Yes, bon voyage and keep it going. Um, so the reason um, we're here today is to well, we've actually got quite a big agenda here, but. Um, in terms of like the FMSB recently released a discussion paper um, around a statement of good practice for algo trading, I mean, thick markets. Now, obviously, you know, algos have become a lot more prevalent. Can you kind of give us the sort of high level overview of what the paper was discussing and, and what sort of areas you're looking for feedback from uh, market participants on? Yeah, sure, Colin. So just, just a, a quick step back very briefly. So the FMSB sort of, we have three main outputs. And just put simply, one is a is a standard, you know, publication of a standard that members of the FMSB uh, uh, declare their adherence to. So that the the core principles in those standards, you know, the members uh, declare publicly that if you're conducting business with us, you know, we'll do it according to these core principles. The statement of good practice uh, is a little more foundational than that. So that allows members of FMSB to uh, to set out really what they see as what constitutes basic good practice uh, in different areas of fit markets. And then the third category is what we call a spotlight review, but I guess a white paper, which uh, lets us illuminate topics of, of emerging challenge, areas of future difficulty, uh, or potential areas where standards and, and statements of good practice might be applicable. So we've, actually, we've published two papers recently on ALGOs. As you say, uh, most recently, uh, a paper for... A public consultation which uh, is a statement of good practice but we've also taken a sort of forward-looking view and and also published a spotlight review looking at, at algorithmic trading and machine learning and some of the areas that uh, are of emerging challenge uh, for markets you know, in, in the years to come. So what do you see as the key areas that we need to be raising awareness because I mean obviously I'm, I'm aware that you know what the FMSB is about is about sort of looking at that looking for areas where there's a lack of clarity or understanding over certain issues. What do you think the key issues are? What, what areas did the paper raise? So that, yeah, algorithmic trading is, uh, is, of course, here to stay. You know, the various trading firms uh, amongst your listeners uh, are deepening the use of algo technology across the thick asset classes uh, and into you know, more products as, as time goes on. And they're expanding across markets the world over. But it's, it's actually a very variable field. And how, how this technology is applied in cash equities, obviously, and spot FX is very different to more complex derivatives and, and lower liquidity products. And so you know, it's, it's why, whilst this is no, not a new topic, actually starting as we do now with a, a statement of good practice gives us that foundation to then start to look more specifically at, at some of the challenges. But just, just briefly, what the paper looks at is... Um, Given algos are a, a, a rich ground for innovation, and they should be, you know, use of this technology to create 
uh, trading opportunities and to offer those opportunities to clients as a key differentiator. And, and markets rely on innovation and you know, providing open access uh, to new opportunities. But given this variability and given the, the growing importance of this technology, I think setting out you know, what does good governance look like around your algos, what kind of uh, uh, inventory management do you need to keep, how do you need to describe these algorithms to the, to the end users, uh, depending on uh, whether you're providing the algorithm to a client to use uh, or whether you're using this for your own uh, trading purposes. Uh, and some good you know, motherhood and apple pie uh, points around you know, how you capture policies and procedures around that, you know, how you make sure you've got accurate information about the algorithm, and how are you looking at uh, any inadvertent results that may come from use of this technology. So you know, what kind of, of, of reverse stress testing, what negative testing are you doing on the algorithm uh, to avoid some of the instances which we've seen in recent years where uh, unusual markets, and boy, have we been in unusual markets recently, <laughs> but where unusual market conditions can drive unexpected uh, results from algorithms. And you know, it's incumbent on the designers, the operators, the owners of these algorithms to look at, at what some of those unintended outcomes might be uh, and to be able to demonstrate, not just to their customers, but to supervisors, uh, you know, how, they're, how they're looking to control those kinds of risks. Mm. I mean, it's quite an important point you make there about actually the sort of, you know, the bread and butter um, aspect of this, because it probably is fair to say that, you know, I mean, talking to a lot of market participants as I do, these events happen a lot more frequently than a lot of people think. It's just they just not disastrous, you know. They're, but there are still yeah, a lot of these little sort of you know flicks in markets or blips in markets that are caused by you know a fundamental problem you know, that could be fixed. Yeah, indeed. And and uh, yeah, I think there are, I think there are two different in you know, points of real interest here. There are uh, the market events that haven't happened before. You know, things that occur. Uh, currencies that depeg, prices that go negative in commodities markets. You know, it, still here we are talking about events that uh, that were not easily foreseen, uh, and that happened for the first time. And so, understanding kind of how these uh, bits of software are going to respond in those different circumstances um, is really important. But then, as the point that you raise, uh, also in how these algorithms work with one another sometimes, because yeah. of course, if they're on, on automated anonymous platforms, uh, you know, the, the, the algorithms will inevitably interact with one another. Um, yeah, and still we can see, we can see cases of that, of that coming up. I think you know, the, the industry is evolving fast, people are learning fast, uh, looking at you know, actually what are the controls that you put around these, these pieces of technology, and you know, even more so if you if you start to look in the outer reaches at machine learning or, or artificial intelligence solutions. But even with algorithms, you know, the the the, the effective you know, frontier of control of you know, as things start to behave in an unpredicted fashion, you know, then how do you how do you halt that, uh, and how do you do that gracefully and, and making sure that you do it in a timely fashion? You know, still there are cases where that sort of action is having to be taken retrospectively once problems have occurred. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely about trying to make us as an industry more proactive than reactive. I would certainly agree there. I mean, I guess the other challenge, though, is that we're, we're in a, a situation here, and you, it's interesting you mentioned machine learning there, but we are generally still in a situation whereby the algos are 
controlled and interacting with humans on a frequent basis, particularly pre-execution, aren't they? So, I mean, do you think yeah. we need to also, is one of the messages of the paper that, you know, this is helping us to create a de facto fit and proper person test for this? Because, you know, someone said to me, I mean, rather cruelly, I have to say, but someone said to me after the flash crash in 2010 that, you know, what caused it was a dumb algo being used by a dumber human. So do we need to sort of, you know, is, is part of what you're trying to achieve is like, this is what you need. These are the standards you need to get to, to be able to use these things. So our paper doesn't go as far as to, you know, drill into a, what a sort of fit and proper test would, would look like. It's, it, yeah, it's very clear these uh, technologies, yeah, in the wrong hands with the wrong intent, uh, could wreak havoc on on the markets. And yeah, yeah uh, uh, as with your car, you know, whoever's behind the wheel um, has got to be competent and demonstrate that they're uh, that they're thinking about yeah. all of the risks uh, in a responsible fashion. And those responsibilities, you know, just because you're running activity through software, are no less. Of course, you know, the responsibility rests with the owner. Uh, and, and the, the organisation that's that's deploying the algo, but you make a you make a very good point, you know, and 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 the statement of good practice looks through, you know, actually what what type of of oversight monitoring, actually what kind of challenge do you need to show within the organisation to make sure that you know it, and it sounds dull, but that your three lines of defence model uh, is really being effective here. Um, yeah. That doesn't just mean you know having the second line of defence. Uh, looking at this activity, they've got to be equipped. You know, they've got to really understand what this technology is doing. They've got to be on, you know, on a par with the front office who are designing, building, and deploying uh, these technologies. So that's a healthy tension that I think you know, we all see is is quite hard hard to reach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an interesting you know, point there. You're talking in terms of the governance. Um, because something that people talk to me about, you know, algo providers in particular is a challenge they're sort of, they're trying to struggle with at the moment is around sort of delineating responsibility. And I guess the, the simplest way of putting it is what happens if a client abuses the market liquidity with your algo? Yeah, that's, a, that's that? a great question. <laughs> so the, yeah, the responsibilities rest with all participants, and I think yeah, we've we can never step away from that. The um, you know what what I've seen, and you know, I managed to, as you say, I've recently joined this role at FMSB. I managed to get my ninety days in just before uh, lockdown occurred, but I was able to to observe some of the some of the rooms where FMSB's you know activity goes on with with markets um, and with participants. What, what I saw in that time, Colin, was that where, where we really make progress, as, and I'm not just talking about FMSB's book, I mean us as a, as a collective, as a market, where we really make good progress is when we've got uh, either side of, of the participation to an activity uh, sort of looking at, at what's happening, looking at, at what could go wrong. And it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to get this tension. But when you've got uh, you know, some of the largest global uh, dealers around the table along with buy-side uh, customers and corporate treasurers who are you know, trying to raise capital, trying to hedge risks, uh, trying, to, trying to seek growth uh, opportunities. And then you get that group to talk about things that they're not happy about, things that are opaque or things that are, are, are you know, a source of, of uh, ambiguity or even mistrust. Um, 
getting into those topics is is where certainly where I've seen the most value coming out of, of FMSB's work so far. And this this area of algos is is no different really. You know, it's not just incumbent on the dealers or on the providers of, of the algorithm. Uh, you've got to have the client in there. They've got to be able to deploy their responsibilities to the market uh, as well. So, you know, there's no uh, there's no easy defense here to say, well, oh, you know, it wasn't clear to us that was what the algorithm was going to do. It's your responsibility. Yeah. If you're going to deploy that technology, you you take responsibility for how you deploy it and and the impact that that has on markets. And you know, we've we've seen through analysis that that we've that we've done over recent years in FMSB a behavioral uh, conduct that there's there's not much new going on here Colin I'm afraid the no. the human propensity to misbehave uh, falls into quite a small number of categories um and and doesn't seem to change really over over history but what does change is the technologies we use uh, in order to 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 perform these misdeeds and yeah we've we've a responsibility as an industry uh, to look ourselves before you know regulators have to uh, draw hard lines uh, around us to look at, at what we think ourselves constitutes good behavior and i think you know this statement of good practice is a start this is not the final word you know this doesn't this doesn't get us there as an industry but this is this gives us a foundation to start to look in future and, and this is certainly my hope uh, and, and the members of fmsb's interest is you know, how do we build a set of standards around this? How do we now start to build stronger guardrails without inhibiting uh, innovation and without you know, removing opportunities for people to create uh, uh, new ways to drive growth uh, and to drive interest in, into our fit markets? Well, there, I mean, there is a sort of fine line to be trod here, isn't there? Because um, you know, if you look at it from a commercial point of view, in FX in particular, there's a lot of banks that offer on behalf of style algos where effectively the client you know, gives them the order and they execute it in a dynamic fashion according to how they would or using the same code that they do for their own proprietary business. Now, obviously, having the share aspects and intimate details of how that works becomes a challenge, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And, and I think, you know, we've, uh, yeah, we've, we've got to leave enough freedom to individual firms to, to build their commercial offering. Um, Whilst making sure there are the right safeguards, and I think I think that's the that's the sweet spot that that we've all got to look at uh, as a market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it can't be just one one side. If uh, buy side uh, client, you know, investor and and corporate act, um, you know, perspectives brought to bear in that uh, in that discussion. Yeah, definitely. Did you know that if you sign up before September 1st, you can subscribe to Profit and Loss for just £130 sterling for a whole 12 months? That's a huge 30% discount on your regular subscription rate. Or pay just £230 for two years. Go to www.profit-loss.com plans and sign up today. Or email info at profit-loss.com for more information to ensure that you never miss out on the latest FX news. So wanted to move on to something else that um, I understand you're, you're currently working on now. Maybe you can give us a, a sneak preview because it's very related to algos in, in my mind, at least. And that's some standards for large trades in FIC. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was surprised, actually, that this was a topic uh, you know, under consideration at, at FMSB. I, I, I naively thought 
uh, coming into this role that uh, yeah, that maybe this was you know, this wasn't such a current uh, such a current challenge. Um, of course, how wrong was I? So having <laughs> having listened to you know, a very rich dialogue between corporates buy side and sell side, um, and this is work in progress. So you know we're yeah. we're you know by no means done yet, but but looking across you know all the thick actually across FX um, commodities and and the fixed income markets. Um, just setting setting clearly uh, some transparent standards, and this is a standards paper that we're that we're developing now, as you'd expect, because it's quite a, you know it's a mature area of activity, but it's one that there's still ambiguity uh, and mm. some opaque practices, and so this is you know, really allowing an opportunity to look at different types of of market actors, to look at, at, at agency and principal style client service provision. Um, to look at things like pre-hedging, to look at what are what are the types of activities that should or shouldn't happen uh, around managing a, a large trade uh, order through to execution, and what kind of communications need to take place, both both you know, incumbent upon the client, uh, the investor, and on the dealer. Um, you know, again, it's not a one-sided uh, obligation here um, to to make sure that across that boundary. People understand better what's going on, and and we can you know, look to to uh, fill in some of the trust gaps that uh, that could evolve in that. This this of course relates closely to to ongoing work on the FX Global Code. So, you know, one of one of our our important obligations at, at FMSB is to make sure that you know we move we move alongside and hand in hand with other uh, uh, codes and standards that are being developed, and so we we keep a close relationship. Um, you know, with the with the FX Global Code as that develops as well to make sure there's no kind of conflict and we don't create you know, difficult situations for for market participants. But you know, our hope is we can see this large trades uh, a paper move to a, a consultation process later on this year uh, and and get a much broader um, set of perspectives uh, from you know, not just the FMSB members, the fifty. Uh, uh, global organisations that we have around the table, but but actually to the to the full global market, um, and I think this will add value. I think this is still a really interesting topic, and you know, definitely an area where I think uh, standards bodies like FMSB you know, can add value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I you wouldn't be the first person to come on this podcast and be wrong. Let me assure you of that one. But yeah, when it comes to like, yeah, standards for large trades, I was kind of with you on that one. You know, when I heard about the the work, but I guess if you think about it, you know, the pattern of liquidity in markets has changed quite dramatically in as the market structure has evolved. Um, part of it, you know, you could argue is regulatory driven. A big chunk of it is technology driven. So I guess actually, if you look at it, actually, with, you, with some forethought, which is not something I'm over, overly blessed with. Um, <laughs> This uh, this probably is going to be a, a big issue going forward. Um, it's yeah, I, th- I think so, and I think with the you know the the continued evolution of you know proliferation and then and then aggregation of electronic trade platforms and and shifting transparency, um, yeah, in trying to manage a significant order and particularly in less liquid thick markets where you know, the the impact of an of, a, of an order is is inevitably going to be greater. Um, yeah, we we just face ever more complex challenges uh, in how best to manage that. You know, to seek to meet the client's uh, need to hedge or to or, 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 or to speculate, um, but without without creating 
yeah, again, unintended or unpleasant outcomes uh, in how those deals uh, are managed. And yeah. Yeah, anything that we can do that reduces the need to resort to courts uh, to solve issues has got to be a good thing in terms of saving everybody's time and money. And so I think that's the opportunity here, you know, and, and one that, that, we're, that we're very keen to, to help our members look at. Yeah. This is a very anti-lawyer podcast, I have to say. Even though we have had one or two on in the past, we try and avoid it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'll try not to introduce any need for one in this call. <laughs> no, that'd be, that would be quite good, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, actually, um, talking about you know, how behaviours haven't really changed and you know, it's just the technology or the means that change, um, which sort of takes me back to the FMSB paper last year on the cluster analysis on behaviour which I have to say I found fascinating. Um, how are we going to move on from that? I mean, is, are there plans to move on from, from that paper and, and to do further work? Yeah, so actually there are. Um, so we, we're in the process of uh, the, the, the last book uh, that we published. And for anyone who hasn't looked at it, you can, you can go have a look at the website. But what we basically did um, was looked at, at the last couple of hundred years of uh, market um, abuse and misconduct uh, cases um, and drew some analysis of, of what types of behaviours were really going on there and to categorise the different kind of types of misbehaviour um, and then to look at example cases uh, that have been through the courts um, you know, to, to bring those uh, into sharp relief. The feedback I get from that that piece of work uh, still very strong you know, a couple of years down the line and yeah. Firms are using that to, to drive their taxonomy around conduct risk uh, and, and looking at it as a means of saying, yeah, how do we look uh, in light of this today? You know, how, how do we look in terms of these types of misconduct uh, as we go through LIBOR or as we go through Brexit or as we go through, um, well, let's say COVID-19 yeah. and the, the sudden change in people's working practices. So, so we're going to do a, a revised edition of, of, of what we term the BCA, the uh, Behavioural Conduct Analysis, uh, filling in new cases from the last few years, but also looking uh, much more broadly, more internationally, uh, across Asia, across North America, uh, and across the UK and Europe. Um, uh, again, to, to see uh, whether much has changed. Uh, perhaps less exciting not much has changed. Still the same types of categories of behaviour, but as you as you rightly say, some new means of uh, of performing these misdeeds. So, yeah, our hope is that we'll see that uh, get published again uh, after the summer, towards the end of this year, um, and and to make that available to members. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I remember the first paper, and we mentioned it briefly just before we uh, hit the recall button. Um, included a, an episode from the Napoleonic Wars, which. I have to say, fascinated me that people were still going at it back then. And I guess you can go back to the tulips and all the Ponzi schemes across the world. It's, I have to say, I'd certainly recommend it as an afternoon's reading. It's, um, you know, yeah, the and those are the headline grabbers, Colin. People always, people always go to that case. But it's, you know, it's a startling fact that the, 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 exactly the same articles in law that were used in the 1800s uh, in the case that you cite, which I'd, I'd recommend readers go, your listeners go and read about, um, the same, the same legislation, the same laws were used uh, in recent years around LIBOR and benchmark scandals. So uh, it, we're really, we're really not not learning some of the lessons that we uh, are obliged to do. I think. Oh, I, I think I think that's a human trait that's un, we're unlikely to change as such. It's just a question of trying to preempt them, isn't it? Really. 
Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, I can't let you go without asking how your COVID's been. I mean, on a more, on a more serious note, I mean, what, I mean, is the FMSB discussing the challenges of COVID-19 and the dispersed workforce? Um, is, it, is it a hot topic in, amongst your members at the moment? So it, it is. We are, we're, we're probably actually about three weeks um, off from putting a, a paper out to the market that, that we're working through finishing at the moment, which um, the aim is to try and, I guess it's analogous to sort of herd immunity. We're trying to pull together um, a set of sort of the top 50 risks uh, that, that global membership firms are facing uh, across buy-side corporate and, uh, and sell-side. Um, and, and really, it's a broad gamut. So we're trying to bring together um, you know, the softer human side of, of the impacts of, of remote working, um, you know, from mental health impacts to you know, actually physical health. Have, you got, have people got the right kind of environment to work in? Um, how are they coping with, with extreme pressures, you know, not least with, with all of the market volatility that's gone on, but, but, but added to that personal pressures? But then going all the way through a, a full set of risks, all the way up to market risks, you know, uh, uh, what risks are there of accessing bill switches, for instance, um, you know, and, and, uh, and everything in between. So uh, we've drawn together a, a large number of firms. We've been working through, you know, what they've seen in terms of experiences and what they're worried about in the, in the period ahead. And also anticipating that remote working is something that's probably here uh, for quite a while, if not here to stay. And whilst you know, we're all hoping to get back into uh, the workplace, it's likely we're going to see you know, fits and starts or subsets of, of our teams that, that still need to work remotely. Uh, and that's, you know, hopefully, touch wood, fingers crossed, we don't you know, need to go into another lockdown period. Mm. Um, but it's here, it's here for, the, for the medium term. And so we wanted to get those risks kind of out there for people to have a look at much more broader than just our membership, you know, for the whole industry uh, to have a look at and, uh, and see, you know, whether that's something that's useful for them in the boardroom or uh, in their business continuity considerations uh, or just in looking at the risks um, in general. And it's, it's another way that sort of the broad membership of FMSB, uh, I think, can sort of can draw together to, uh, to help the rest of the market. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I think if you speak to most market participants and most observers of the market, they would say actually the industry, you know, the financial markets industry, um, you know, my, I'm talking FX really, but I think most markets have handled the, the sort of lockdown pretty well. You know, there hasn't been, apart from the odd issue around gold and oil, there hasn't been a massive market dislocation. But that maybe hides the fact that, you know, it, I guess what we're worrying about is what the latent issues that we can't see at this moment in time. You know, we mentioned the lawyers. You know, are there going to be are there going to be issues in two three years time coming out of this period? Which is what I guess we've got to try and you know hopefully avoid them being issues for the next couple of years until, as you say, we yeah. do settle down. And that's that's the that's the intent exactly here. You know, and yeah. uh, and you know, we've seen a couple of um, indications from the from the regulatory authorities about practices that they're picking up on um you know particularly as as uh, you know many firms are rushing uh, to borrow uh, and and some of the challenges that that's created in terms of of tying other services onto that lending activity and um you know, there, 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 are, there are other cases 
developing. And so you're absolutely right. It's about looking at where does this set of pressures, this set of uh, you know, environmental uh, issues um, bring more motivation and opportunity to people to stray into areas that they would find hard to do if they're in the office with yeah. you know, uh, their compliance officers walking the floor and their colleagues sat next to them. And um, I think we've just got to recognize, you know, this is an incredibly tough time for a lot of people um, and, and one that's coupled with, with market volatility. So you know, whilst I agree, I think you know, markets have performed. They've done what they need to do in this time. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've got to look and try to make sure that uh, yeah, there's nothing going on under the, under the covers that, as you say, in future, future years uh, or months that we're, that we're going to have to rake over and say, you know, why didn't we see that coming? Mm. Yeah, indeed. Here, here to that. Um, Martin, that's fascinating. Thank you very much for your time uh, this morning, as it is when we're recording this. Um, and I wish you well with the next lot of papers. To our listeners, um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, um, please have a very good week. Thanks for listening. Great. Thanks so much, Colin. Thanks, Sam. Thanks.